Holy Father in heaven, glory be unto your name for giving us life. We thank you for good health, for protection and guidance, for giving to us our basic needs in life, and especially we thank you for your son Jesus, which you sent to die on the cross for our sins. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit and for striving with our hearts. Once more, we pray that you will strive with us as we go through our devotion and that the words we will hear shall be greatly impressed in our minds to the end that we may continue to make our decision to follow you or begin to do that. Put your words in my mouth, O Lord, and speak through me. It's my prayer through Christ's name. Amen. Conflict and Courage, February 4 As it was in the days of Noah And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Luke chapter 17 verse 26 and 27 God did not condemn the antediluvians for eating and drinking. He had given them the fruits of the earth in great abundance to supply their physical wants. Their sin consisted in taking these gifts without gratitude to the giver and debasing themselves by indulging appetite without restraint. It was lawful for them to marry. Marriage was in God's order. It was one of the first institutions which he established. He gave special directions concerning this ordinance, clothing it with sanctity and beauty. But these directions were forgotten, and marriage was perverted and made to minister to passion. A similar condition of things exists now. That which is lawful in itself is carried to excess. Appetite is indulged without restraint. Multitudes feel under no moral obligation to curb their sensual desires and they become the slaves of lust. Men are living for the pleasures of sense, for this world and this life alone. The picture which inspiration has given of the antediluvian world represents too truly the condition to which modern society is fast hastening. As the time of their probation was closing, the antediluvians gave themselves up to exciting amusements and festivities. Those who possessed influence and power were bent on keeping the minds of the people engrossed with mirth and pleasure lest any should be impressed by the last solemn warning. Before the flood, God sent Noah to warn the world that the people might be led to repentance and thus escape the threatened destruction. As the time of Christ's second appearing draws near, the Lord sends his servants with a warning to the world to prepare for that great event. 
multitudes have been living in transgression of God's law, and now He in mercy calls them to obey its sacred precepts. All who will put away their sins by repentance toward God and faith in Christ are offered pardon. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is As It Was in the Days of Noah. Our key text is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 17, verse 26 and 27. There, solemnly, our Lord Jesus said, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Once more, we are revisiting, perhaps for the last time, the condition of the world in the days of Noah in comparison to that of the world today. Our Lord Jesus made this statement and would have us dwell upon it so that we can chew on it to the point that it will have an impact on our lives so that we can rethink our steps so that we can consider where we are headed and perhaps the Holy Spirit can touch our hearts that we may make a U-turn and enter into the ark. So what did Jesus say? He told us, the same way it was in the days of Noah, the world continued in its round of excitement, entertainment and pleasure seeking and ambition till the day Noah entered the ark and so shall it be. Till the day of the coming of the Son of Man, you will see that the world will continue in its round of entertainment, ambition, marrying and giving in marriage, eating and drinking. We have looked at these things before, but we would like to revisit it again. Like we read in our devotion and like we have said severally, there is nothing wrong in eating. There is nothing wrong in drinking. There is nothing wrong in marriage. The Lord instituted marriage. But then, Jesus is talking about these things as things that will become a sin in themselves with respect to the coming of the Son of Man. When these things are carried to excess, when they are raised above the important and eternal things of this earth, they become abominable and sinful in the eyes of God. When our ambition, when our marrying and giving in marriage, when our eating and drinking have gone to excesses, have been taken to a point where it is separating us from our Lord, where it is putting us in a position where we cannot be partakers of that eternal life that the Lord Jesus dearly purchased for us by his death on the cross, Jesus begins to look at these things as abominable in his eyes and sinful because we have used them to separate ourselves from God and to deny ourselves the privilege that he dearly purchased for us through his death. Are we using our eating and drinking to separate ourselves from God? Has the marrying and giving in marriage been carried to such excess that it is now sinful in the eyes of God? 
have we become so ambitious in our planting and building that we do it to the neglect of the commandments of God in stealing and killing and cheating and not putting God first in what we do? When we do these things, then we have carried it to excess and they become abominable in the eyes of God. And this is what Jesus would want us to remember. That we should not take these things to the excess because that was what was happening in the days of the antediluvians. Conflict and Courage, page 41, paragraph 3. A similar condition of things exists now. That which is lawful in itself is carried to excess. Appetite is indulged without restraint. Multitudes, multitudes feel under no moral obligation to curb their sensual desires and they become the slaves of lust. Men are living for the pleasures of sense, for this world and this life alone. The picture which inspiration has given of the antediluvian world represents too truly the condition to which modern society is fast hastening. God did not condemn marrying. He didn't condemn it. But like we have just read now, when we have made pleasure seeking the order of the day, then it becomes a sin. It says their sin consisted in taking these gifts, the food, the drink, the marriage, even the, 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 the work that we do, the planting and building, these things are gifts. But the sin constitutes in taking these gifts without gratitude to the giver and debasing themselves by indulging appetite without restraint. It was lawful for them to marry. But God gives special direction about how it should be done. But these directions today are forgotten. And then marriage being perverted to minister to passion. Today, many people marry because of sex. They even want to check the lady or the man before they marry. They want to know how they perform on bed and that is a criteria for getting married. Now, marriage is not about help meet. Marriage is no longer a sacred union. It is not serving the purpose for which God made it. Adam did not sleep with Eve and then said to her, Oh, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. He didn't have to sleep with her first, but many today, even in the Christian world, they want to sleep with the lady first. They want to sleep with the man first to know how they perform before they get married. Marriage is ministering to their perverted passions. And then in the marriage itself, like we have talked about before, it is covering crimes of the greatest magnitude. It is being perverted. The purpose for which it was made has been twisted. Like we saw in the book of Romans chapter 1, reading from verse 27, 26, 27, 28, telling us that men have left the natural use of the woman to that which is against nature. And the worst part of it is that in doing this, the blood becomes inflamed, the genes seem to carry our character, and this character is transferred to the children. Our children are born with their animal tendencies largely in their ascendancy, with a natural irritation of their sexual organs, which will only lead them into more sin. This is the state of our world today. Reading from Child Guidance, page 441, paragraph 3, says, Moral pollution has done more than every other evil to cause the race to degenerate. It is practiced to an alarming extent and brings on disease of almost every description. 
even very small children, infants, being born with the natural irritability of the sexual organs find momentary relief in handling them which only increases the irritation and leads to a repetition of the act until a habit is established which increases with their growth. The lustful propensities are inherited. Parents do not generally suspect that their children understand anything about this vice. Moral pollution being referred to here is self-abuse, which we know as masturbation. In very many cases, the parents are the real sinners. They have abused their marriage privileges and by indulgence have strengthened their animal passions. And as these have strengthened, the moral and intellectual faculties have become weak. The spiritual has been overborne by the brutish. Children are born with the animal propensities largely developed. The parents' own stamp of character having been given to them. Children born to these parents will almost invariably take naturally to the disgusting habits of secret vice. Poor children. The sins of the parents will be visited upon their children because their parents have given them the stamp of their own lustful propensities. End of quote. And this is why we need to be careful. I know that these things are not popular knowledge in the eyes of people. In fact, when you go to the internet, you see that the marrying and giving in marriage is being promoted, which means marrying to minister to sexual propensities and lustful propensities. That is what Jesus talked about when he was saying they'll be marrying and giving in marriage. They are all thinking about marriage just in the sense of pleasure, pleasure. Food, they are not eating to live. They are living to eat. They are thinking of pleasure. When it comes to ambition, they are working, working hard. Why? Because they want to brag about it in the music videos. They want to talk about the money. They want to spend more on their pleasure. Ambition to get more money so that we can get the houses, so that we can go for partying, so that we can eat and drink, so that we can get drunk with the food, drunk with the alcohol, and go more into the uh, into the dissipation of sexual desire. All of it works together. The ambition is so that it can feed the lost. The ambition to get more money is so that one can be proud. This is what the world was in the days of the antediluvians and we are in that state today. The world is in a condition where Jesus said it will be before the coming of the Son of Man. And in the midst of this corruption, in the midst of this trouble, we are told Conflict and Courage page 41 paragraph 5 before the flood, God sent Noah to warn the world that the people might be led to repentance and thus escape the threatened destruction. As the time of Christ's second appearing draws near, the Lord sends his servant with a warning to the world to prepare for that great event. Multitudes have been living in transgression of God's law, and now he in mercy calls them to obey its sacred precepts. All who will put away their sins by repentance towards God and faith in Christ are offered pardon. So, in the midst of this corruption, God is calling us as a people to do the work of Noah, to give a warning to the world so that people can repent. And this is the work we ought to do now. But some will do the work while others will get weary of doing the work. And we need to be careful, lest we think, oh, this work is left for the pastors alone. No, every child of God is to understand that we are watchmen. And as watchmen, we have a world to warn. We have a heaven to win and a hell to shun. 
and we have people to tell about this heaven and call them to repentance. And the repentance we are talking about here is conformity, total conformity to the word of God. The conformity is not to be partial as we have seen in the life of Noah. It was because he gave obedience to all that the Lord commanded him. That is what we are to do also, to give warning to the world so that they can obey all that the Lord commands. In the book of Ezekiel 33, God tells us our duty. Ezekiel 33, reading from verse 2, it says, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blows the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. Amen. But verse 6 now says, But, but, if the watchman, fathers and mothers, you are watchmen to your children, pastors, you have a congregation that you are a watchman over every individual who knows the truth of God, who is hearing this message, you are a watchman to give the message to the world tactfully, kindly, lovingly. But if the watchman sees the sword come, as you are hearing now, you are seeing the sword coming. You are seeing the signs of the end. The sword is coming. The sword of God's threatenings is coming. And if you see that sword coming, and verse 6 says, And blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned. If the sword comes and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. That is our duty and do not think the Lord is talking to pastors here. He's talking to you who are listening to me. You are a watchman and you have a work to do. And if you say, oh, because this work is very difficult, I can't tell people about the coming judgment. It will make me come at loggerheads with them. It will make them to hate me. Did they hate you? Will they hate you up to the way they hated Noah? Noah was called a wild fanatic, an extremist. He was derided, mocked, jeered at. Has that happened to you? Why is it not happening to you? Is it not because you think you are so smart and you are so wise that you keep quiet and you will not speak the word of God to the people? 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 tells us, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Because some of us know that we are going to suffer persecution for living godly and preaching godliness as Noah did. The Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. Hebrews 11 verse 7 tells us he became the heir of that righteousness which is by faith, which means he both 
both preached and lived righteousness. You know that when you go to your brethren and they are watching and eating and drinking with the drunken, watching that television, all the filth coming out of it, they are feeding on it and you choose to tell them this is wrong or by your character, you show that you are not part of it. Because of that, you know that they may hate you and you refuse to say anything. Instead, you sit down there with them, going ahead to do it with them. You are not doing the duty of the watchman. But know this, O brother and sister, the Lord will require the blood of those people on your hands because you knew and the Lord told you what to do, but you did not do it. We have the work of Noah to do today, to preach righteousness, to live righteousness to the people. And when I say righteousness, live righteousness by faith. And any faith you have that doesn't conform you to the word of God is not the faith of Jesus. The faith being referred to is the faith that walks by love and purifies the soul. Do you not know that faith without works is dead? There must be works conformed, works in conformity to the word of God. That is the only faith that is the true faith. There is nothing legalistic about it. This is true faith. And the Lord has called us. Matthew 24 verse 42, he says, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. The antediluvians, did they know? The day Noah entered the ark, they were still eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, involved in selling their articles of diet and still advertising their Viagra and advertising all the evil things and participating in the gaming and the sports. They were still doing all those things while Noah entered the ark. And today, the same thing is happening. Ah, people are still engaged in the same ambition today. And that's why Jesus is warning you, watch you therefore, for you know not what are your Lord.com. And reading now from verse 43 downward, but know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh, who then is a faithful and wise servant, that is a watchman, whom his Lord has made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom the Lord, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over his house over his goods oh you are supposed to be giving the people true meat leaders give your people meat in due season and stop giving them well chaff to eat what is the chaff to the wheat the lord will say give them the true word of god that is the only people the lord will reward the true watchman who wants the people they may not like you for it but there will be those who would respond stop looking at those who are angry with you for the message you gave that is true but at the same time remember to give the message with wisdom intact but give the truth directly as it is in love in meekness considering thyself the bible says galatians 6 verse 1 and 2 considering thyself lest thou also be tempted because no man is better than the other we all are struggling we all are trying to achieve achieve that perfection whatever you see your brother doing that is so abominable and terrible know this you too could have been like him just because you didn't pass through the same experience he passed through or you didn't get the same inheritance that he had doesn't mean you are any better. So therefore, when you are giving people the warning, give it with that knowledge in your mind, knowing that it could have been you. 
you didn't pass through the temptation they passed through you didn't go through the same environment that they went they grew up you didn't have the same inheritance from the parents so calm down and don't think that you are better than anybody therefore when you are giving the warning don't palliate it don't diminish aught give it as the lord says it but in love and in meekness knowing that you are no better now that is the way the lord will make us rulers over his house when we preach the word as noah did the world is in the same condition as that as it was in the days of noah god needs you god needs me to give the people warning give the people meat in due season let them feed upon the word of god but as opposed to that the lord says in matthew 24 reading from verse 48 but and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayed his coming. He's not saying my Lord is not coming. He has not stopped believing that God is coming. But he's saying, My Lord delayed his coming. And shall begin to smite his fellow servants. And to eat and drink with the drunken. Oh, smiting his fellow servants. Your brothers and sisters who you know are practicing the truth like Noah. Now you are smiting them. Bible says to us, Psalms chapter 1 verse 1, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Oh, he's smiting his fellow servants. He started walking in the counsel of the ungodly first of all. And that man who walks in the counsel of the ungodly will soon find himself comfortably standing in the way of sinners, listening to their instruction. And the next thing he will find is himself sitting and mocking those who are practicing the truth. Oh, he's smiting his his fellow servant now he has gone into the world and he's smiting them smiting his fellow servants and speaking ill of them mocking and ridiculing them and he's now eating and drinking with the drunken he's sitting down in the cinemas now watching the filth of the world watching the soap operas watching the television reading those books that have no value except to make you more worldly and to teach you things of this world and make you wise in the ways of the world he's now and she's now entering into fashion they are engaged in the fashions of the world they and they know all the trends they are informed on all the info on all the statistics of the footballers they know their height they know the amount of uh medals they have won they know the amount of cups the clubs have won oh they are eating and drinking with the drunken now they have neglected the word which the lord gave them because they are saying my lord delayed his coming matthew 24 verse 50 says the lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth why are they saying the lord delayed his coming why are people reasoning like this? Second Peter chapter three verse three, knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. So why are they doing it? They they have desires, they have ambitions. So because of their ambition, and they see that if I have to follow this message that tells me the Lord is coming, it will make me give up so many things. I'll have to now, like Noah, use all my resources in preaching the word of God. I'll now have to use my resources in bringing myself to a better condition to keep God's commandments and they don't want that they want to live in pleasure like it says here 2 Peter 3 verse 3 they are walking after their own lusts and after doing that it says in verse 4 and saying where is the promise of his coming for since the fathers fell asleep all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation for this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old that 
and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come, as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then, my brother, seeing then, my sister, that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of the Lord, where the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. O brothers and sisters, here is our work. We are not to be like the scoffers who would say where is the promise of his coming. Stop being unbelieving. Have faith. The Lord will come. The day is like a thousand years, which means one short thing can look very long to the Lord, and a thousand years like a day. That which you think is long can also be short in his eyes. Time does not matter with God. You are saying, oh, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus left. It's been long to be hearing it. 2,000 years is just like two days to him. And somebody else might say, oh, it's been two days. Two days is so short. Are you saying Jesus is coming very soon? Oh, that thing you are calling small is big in his eyes. Just the moment is very large in the eyes of the Lord. Also, in other words, time is irrelevant with the Lord time is irrelevant that which you say is long time is short that which you say is short time is long none is relevant in his eyes but all you need to do is prepare for that day because it will come all that we are building in this world all that we are keeping and our ambition is storing up for us is going to be burned up since you know it's going to be burned up what kind of people ought we to be we are not to be people who are looking for our own on this earth but rather we are supposed to look for things in heaven where things are eternal that's what we are supposed to be doing and one work we can assist in bringing the coming of the lord to be quick and that's why we are told in second peter 3 verse 12 looking for and hasting unto the coming of the lord so we can hasten the coming of the lord how can we hasten the coming of the lord by preaching the gospel Last day events, page 39, paragraph 2 says, Christ is waiting with longing desire for the manifestation of himself in his church. When the character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced in his people, then he will come to claim them as his own. End of quote. So, Christ is waiting for us to be perfected. He's waiting for us to repent, to be perfected, and he will come. Where do we see that in the Bible? Mark 4, reading verse 26, it says, And he said, So is the kingdom of God. As if a man should cast seed into the ground. And verse 29 says, But when the fruit is brought forth, it says, first of all, when he plants the fruit, it grows. No man knows how it grows. But first you see the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Verse 29, But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately, take note, when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put it in the sickle because the harvest is come. 
God will come immediately. We are ready. The Lord is waiting for us. He is waiting for his people to be perfected and we can hasten the coming of the Lord by preaching the gospel and perfecting our character. Take note that it does not say that the Lord is waiting for a stipulated time. Some people are giving time messages now, saying the Lord is coming 2027, 2031, 2025, or any of these dates. No, the Lord is not fixing dates right now. A thousand years is like a day in his eyes and a day like a thousand years. There is no time fixed. What the Lord is waiting for is for us to do our work. And our work is for us to perfect our character and preach the gospel. Last day events, page 39, paragraph 4. By giving the gospel to the world, it is in our power to hasten our Lord's return. We are not to look for, but to hasten the coming of the day of God. He has put it in our power, through cooperation with him, to bring this scene of misery to an end. So, what message are we to preach? What is the gospel we are to preach that will hasten the coming of the Lord? We are told, as we have seen in our previous devotions, I'll take it again, Review and Herald, December 13, 1892, paragraph 9. In fact, Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all the world, and then shall the end come. What is this gospel of the kingdom? Revelation chapter 14, reading from verse 6, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having what? The everlasting gospel, that's the gospel of the kingdom, to preach to all them that dwell on the earth to every kindred nation tongue and people saying with a loud voice fear god and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the fountains of waters this is the gospel of the kingdom that is to go around the world but it's not ended the second one says babylon is fallen is fallen and is becoming habitation of demons and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird and the third message says if any man worship the beast and his image or receive his mark in his hand or in his forehead the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of god which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation and they shall be tormented day and night before the presence of the lord and of his holy angels and they have no rest day or night that receive them that worship the beast or receive his mark in his hand or his forehead here is the patience of the saints here are those that keep the commandments of god and have the faith of jesus this is the gospel of the kingdom that is to go all around the world the world is to know that the hour of judgment is come and now is the time to fear the lord the world is to know that they are to come out of babylon babylon representing worldliness and all the doctrines and the wine of babylon that are false doctrines this is the message we are to preach to the world that will hasten the coming of the Lord. We are also to warn the world to keep the commandments of God. Two classes of people are being developed, those who receive the mark of the beast and the final class are those that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. It is this message preached to all the world that will bring about the end. And if we refuse to preach it, then what is going to happen? We are watchmen and the Lord will hold us responsible for the blood of those who will perish in ignorance. God will hold us responsible. Do the bit you can. Be the Noah of today. The Lord is looking for Noahs. Will you be a Noah? 
but you repent of your sins and say that like Noah, I will use my resources. The work of God needs resources. It needs your time. It needs your talent. It needs your strength. It needs your money to be used to propagate this gospel. Will you do it? Or will you live for self in eating and drinking with the drunken? In marrying and giving in marriage and satisfying your pleasures? In the ambitions of this world regardless of the commandments of God? Corruptions here and there just so you can get what you want? Is that what you are going to do? The Lord is pleading with you today that we should turn our ways. Think about it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and eventually lose his soul? When his soul is that one thing that he needs to enjoy the whole world, you are making a very expensive purchase here. The price of what you are getting, the ambition, the pleasure, that is the food, all those things you are getting, at what cost are you getting it? You are getting it at the cost of your soul. That is a very expensive transaction, brother and sister. Are you sinning in order to get pleasure and to get your ambitions? You, you are making a very unwise transaction because you are giving out your soul, the soul that you need to enjoy these things. Then you are getting the things. Then now you've gotten it. Which soul do you have to enjoy it? The wise thing to do is to hear the word of God and follow it. Don't put your hand in evil because of the ambitions you have. Remember that eating and drinking is good. But when it is taken to excess to the point that it is harming you and harming others, then you are not doing what you're supposed to do. You are sinning against God. When you take the issue of marriage to excesses and thinking that everything you do on the marriage bed is acceptable because you are married, then you it has become abominable in the eyes of God because now that's what you are living for. We need to repent of these things. For more information on these things that I was said, you can go to our previous devotions titled An Affluent Society, Marrying and Giving in Marriage, which was done January 28, 29 and 30. And you would understand better what we are talking about here. But suffice to say that our devotion today is a call to be a Noah today, to give the message and be a watchman for this world and turn from our evil ways into righteousness and prepare for the coming of the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Holy and loving Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege you are giving to us to be co-workers with you, co-laborers with you in being watchmen for this world. We are unclean. We are not holy. And who is sufficient for these things? We can't do it by ourselves. And we need your help. Please, Lord, wash us clean. And help us, Lord, as we are bringing ourselves to you to be used for your glory. Please help us to do this work faithfully, whether it is in supporting, whether financially, or giving the help of our strength, or actually preaching the word of God, or assisting whatever way possible. We can't do it in hands that are unclean. Please cleanse us and help us, Lord, to be acceptable in your sight and do this work faithfully. Help us, Lord, to turn away from all our evil, that we may be prepared for your coming. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Mm-hmm.